we started a series last week called It's a Heart Condition. And so we talked about how you can do things and control your own heart. Meaning your spirit gets made new in the Lord when you receive him, but then we actually have a part to play in our heart condition. And we're not talking about the physical heart. We're talking about the emotional, the will, the deep part of how you process. So if you will, open up to Proverbs, the 29th chapter, and uh, we're going to talk today about vision or, you know, direction or things like that that come from the Lord. And it's super important to have vision in our lives, to look to the future, or you could say it like this, to look to what God has for us to do here on the earth. And vision is super important uh, because it gives you hope. It also directs your path. It makes you not aimless or go the way of the world. The reason why the world goes the way they do is they're not restrained by anything from God. And so, you know, Jesus even gave vision to the church to get them pointed in the right direction right before he died and then right after he rose again, he said, go into all the world, we know this, preach the good news, share Jesus to people. And then he said, uh, you know, train them up help them to become a disciple of mine. And he said, serve in the kingdom. There's many things he did say, basically telling us how life should be. And then he told us, hey, listen, I have privileges and inheritance for you. All this was his vision before we ever got on the earth. It was his design before you and I got here to know what the future should hold for us by way of what we are supposed to be doing. In other words, a lot of people say, well, I don't know God's will. I need to know God's will. All this stuff that God said is primary to his will. Because a lot of times we hear people say, well, God's will, you know, go preach in Africa, go do this. Well, that may not be God's will for everybody. But no matter if you're preaching in Africa, we all have a part to play in sharing the good news. You know, whether it's to a neighbor or whoever, and we all have a part in building up the kingdom, serving in the church, and doing different things like that. And these are the vision, or I should say part, or even primary to what God has for all of us. So Proverbs 29, we're going to look at a verse here, and... We'll look in the 18th verse. It says this, Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no revelation. What in the world is revelation? You know, somebody said, I heard a band. I think they were called Revelation. No, where there's no revelation. What is revelation? It's a good word. It's cool. I mean, if you're religious, you talk about the revelation. You get any revelation today? People are like, I got a bunch of revelation, I think. All it means is to reveal knowledge from God. It's something that he has in his heart that he wants you to know and have in your heart. So when we read the Bible, we pray for revelation. Stuff that's in there, we don't just read it. Because you ever heard people say, I read the Bible, I get nothing out of it. 
What makes the difference between not getting something and getting something is that little word right there called revelation. In other words, it's revealed. It comes alive. You know, you read the same thing and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that was really good. And other people are like, oh yeah, that was nice. But you're like, no, no, look. And they're like, yeah, whatever. No, serious, look. You know what the difference is? It's getting revealed to you and it's not to them. But is everybody to get revelation? Everybody can. Everybody should. God wants it. So when he said where there is no revelation or literally prophetic vision, in other words, God's ideas revealed, he said the people cast off restraint. When people don't have a vision for their life, they just go in every direction. And we see that in our world today, you know, especially in the United States, but all over the place where people are trying to get God out of society, God out of schools, God out of people's lives. And you can see the direct result. People are running in every direction. So what should we do? We should get mad at the politicians, mad at the school teachers, right? That's the first step. Get mad at everybody as I can't believe they're doing all this, and uh, look what they're doing, look what they're legalizing, look what they're permitting, so we should get mad at them. That's the first step. No, we should recognize the reason people are going in every direction. They have no vision from God. They have no directives from God. So they're unrestrained. So we're just watching the effect of people not knowing Jesus. So the best thing we can do is chip in money and go buy some property in the woods and hide till the Lord returns, right? And just hopefully they don't overtake us and get a bunch of guns before they're illegal. No, that goes against the Bible. That's not God's vision. If anybody should have vision, it should be the church people, the people who are saved. And so he said, if people don't have something revealed to them from God, it will cause them to head in directions that are not appropriate. Doesn't matter who it is. So where does it all start? It all starts when a person gets saved. And then they get a new nature, and all of a sudden there's a drive to go a certain direction. They want to know God. And then they want to do whatever God says. You remember when you gave your life to the Lord? Man, I want to do whatever you say, God. And you need to keep that place with God. And so Proverbs uh, 29, 18, I want to read this in like four translations. The New International Version says, Where there is no revelation... People cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction or the instruction that comes from God. The New Living Translation, that was the New International, the New Living Translation says, where people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. So what do we do? We just try to morally dictate what they need to do. Hey, laws are great. You know, because some people will say, oh, you can't dictate morality. Oh, yes, you can to a degree. 
The problem is you get enough people that don't have morals in them, they'll change the laws, and then people will go, I guess this is okay. In other words, we don't even need laws for believers who walk with God. Thank you for that amen right there. I mean... Like I like to say, save them all to the end. That way we don't get slowed down with all these amens. But notice, he said, when people do not accept divine guidance. This isn't just natural guidance. When we talk about vision, it's not about me. And that's what the church world, in a lot of ways, has come to. It's all about you. No, when we're talking about vision, we're talking about what is revealed from God. It, church is not just about me and what can I get? Sorry. Okay, just saying. So I throw that out there. But it's about, what about God? What about Jesus, the one we fell in love with, the one we received? Notice this, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Here, the English... Uh, standard version where there is no prophetic vision. Well, what do we think of when we think of a prophet? Somebody who brings the word of God. Something God knows is revealed. But here he said a prophetic vision. Really, it's something that has been revealed to you from God. He said, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The Berean study Bible says this, where there is no vision, where there is no vision, so we have to know that this can't be natural vision. Because if it was natural vision, we could easily diagnose. The reason they keep running into the wall is they're blind. You know, I know there's a lot of football fans that are upset, you know, about the refs not calling a call last week in a very important game. So now all over social media, there was one uh, clip and a picture of the referees training now for the Super Bowl. It said, hidden, revealed pictures, rarely seen of the referees training for the Super Bowl. And they all had those black glasses that blind people have. And they all had sticks with dogs, you know, those blind dog things. And they're all out on the football field. See, and people think, well, they didn't see. No, they saw, but they didn't call it. And when we talk about vision from God, where there's no vision, we're talking about seeing something down inside from Him. Not you dreaming up something. And I'm afraid that, that there is that side in the church world where we've just taught people to dream up stuff. Have a dream. What if God has a dream? What if God has a vision? So he said there, again and again, people run aimless, they lose restraint when they don't know these visions or these desires of God, and then they don't control themselves based on it. So when we talk about this vision from a Bible standpoint, this is super important. We have to approach it not from my mindset, but God's mindset. And you might say, oh yeah, that's how I do it. And maybe you do. 
But let's look at God's mindset about what vision is and how to approach it from his standpoint. Turn to Mark 12. We're going to look at a couple of verses that will help us here. Mark 12. I'm going to actually read it from the New Living Translation. Mark 12, 30 and 31. I'm going to read it from the New Living and you can look at it. It says, and this is a familiar verse to people. Most of you, when we read this, you're going to, you're going to go, oh, I know this. Love the Lord your God. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What, what is man's direction for life? What, is, what, what do we do? What's the highest priority with you, God? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You could say every part of you needs to be geared toward God. Then he said the second, so remember, Love the Lord. Then he said second. So that would mean the first part we read was first. So he said, of course it was first. Yeah, because it says this second. But it may seem super whatever that I say this, but it's important. And when you hear it, you're going to go, oh. This second. Anybody say, whoa? Okay, thank you. But that wasn't it. So let's keep going. This second, or second commandment, is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In other words, really, you do these, you can measure up in any area. You're on track. But here's the part I wanted to say where you may go, whoa. Much preaching has been done from these verses, and they'll say, you know, here God said, love God first. In other words, prioritize God in your life. How do I know if God is prioritized in my life? Look at the primary areas you spend time with. Now, everybody has to work, or maybe you don't, but most people work. And, uh, you know, there's certain things that you do have to give time to, like sleeping. So, you know, those things don't count. But the time you have, you need to ask yourself, what do I do primarily with my mind, with my time, and with my money? Where do I spend it most? What do I give to most? And this isn't saying, oh, you should give it all to the church, but what I'm saying is, these are indicators of my heart. You know, they are real indicators of my heart. And the next thing says, then love others. Be concerned about their well-being, their spiritual well-being, their whole well-being. Now, this is the part that I said you may go, wow. Because at the end it says, or right after he said, love your neighbor, he said this, as yourself. And you know what has happened? We've done a lot of sermons, or people have, on loving yourself. Anybody ever heard a sermon on loving yourself? Two people. Awesome. Anybody else? You know, the only way you're really going to love God and love them is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus wasn't saying love yourself. 
He didn't say, get a sermon and start teaching about loving yourself. As a matter of fact, this is love God, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he has basically said, normally people are concerned about themselves and watch out for themselves and people normally view themselves in a positive light to at least a degree. People are willing to let themselves off the hook. Love your neighbor like you love yourself, at least. Here's a good one. You ever been driving down the freeway? Part of life. And somebody comes, none of us would speed here. But on the regular occasion that we do, but then have you ever been the person in front and somebody speeds up on you? If you go, well, oh no, I'm going, they're going too fast. And remember when somebody did that to you? You were just so patient and kind. (laughs) I love these people, Lord. They're just looking out for my well-being them not moving out of the way, blocking the fast lane. You did it. Now they're doing it. And you're to love your neighbor as yourself. You let yourself off for doing it. You're not letting them off. All these people in their blinkers. Whatever. I can't believe this. They, just, they don't use their blinker. What if, and this could be honest, what if you had somebody pull in front of you and they didn't use their blinker and you're like, oh, a blinker. Don't they know? It's that little thing right over there and you're like, blink, 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 blink. And that tells us what you're about to do. And they don't use that. What if really they are really good at it, but that one time they didn't? Do you ever do it one time and forget? Just one time. You may have been that person, and you let yourself off the hook like that. Well, you know, whatever. You don't even think about it. But if we're to love our neighbor as ourself, okay, now you see what he's talking about? He's not talking about self-love. What happens when people start talking about self-love, they get consumed in themselves and try to fulfill their life and try to get everything in their life because i got to love myself. I've seen people go down this path, and they're nowhere walking with God. Hardly. If you can't say amen, say oh me, because it's still true, right? So when... When the Lord talks about this kind of stuff, about vision and stuff, it's not a self-fulfilling thing. And so when he said, love God first, he's saying, prioritize your life after him first and what he wants and his ways. Then go for people. What about others? That's his order. Technically, he didn't even throw you in yet. Yikes. What? Doesn't he care about me? Yes, a bunch. But remember when I said, when we talk about vision, we have to have God's mindset concerning it. Because if we don't, we'll try to get things to come to pass, and for some reason they won't. Because maybe we violated something, and with a simple adjustment, it can set things in motion. Notice Luke 17, 33. 
all these verses are probably familiar to most Christians. But when it comes to vision or seeing it God's way and following His plan, and His plan really is to reach people, not get mad at politicians, get enough people saved, get enough people walking with God, you don't even have to sweat the election. You don't. And it won't be between two evil candidates that everybody want. It'll be between two good, one maybe not as good as the other, but they'll be way better than some things. You with me? And so people are fighting way down here and trying to solve stuff that can't be solved by just going, let's pray for the next person in office. I agree we should do that. But is that God's mindset? Just to have the right person in office? Yes, he does want that. But doesn't he really want everybody saved and walking with him? Then you could see, by having that mindset, getting people in the office that are right becomes totally different. Would you agree? So, I mean, even if you don't, it's so anyway. So, Luke 17, right? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. That's what self-love that's been taught in the church is creating. People trying to fulfill their own life. And he said, you fall into a trap. Whoever seeks to save his life or do life his way, to get everything for him, he said he'll lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. And in the context, he's saying, listen, you've got to prioritize God first. Love God first. Love your neighbor. Do things his way. Because if you're trying to preserve and be just self-motivated and self-driven, you'll lose what you're trying to create and what you're trying to get. How many lives have been broken because of that? And so he's basically saying, listen prioritize here. Don't just try to do it your way. Do it God's way. Find out what he wants. What is he interested in the earth? He's still interested in people knowing him because it plays out for more than in just this life. It plays out forever and ever and ever. Is he interested in you having your needs met and you be blessed? Yes, but that has to be secondary. Because otherwise you'll seek all those things and then you'll lose out. One, because you won't have God's grace really working to help make that come to pass. And you'll be giving all your energy to that. But if you give your energy to God, God's grace would be on that other stuff. And we'll see it from Scripture. Most people know this verse, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Remember, if you try to prioritize your life where it's about me instead of him, he said you'll lose what you're trying to get. What are we talking about? Having a vision, prioritizing our lives in line with what God's design and way is for us, the people of the kingdom. Putting it first, keeping it a priority, loving him first. What does he want? He's always until he returns in the business of people, caring for the lost, reaching, inviting, bringing. Then he's always interested in us serving. 
once we're in the kingdom and helping others along the way and encouraging them along the way. He said that has to be the priority. You with me? And so he said, Matthew 6, seek first, or in other words, the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his way of doing things, and all these other things will be added to you. Remember I said God's mindset? We have to have that when it comes to vision. In other words, we should have our own dreams, goals, and desires, but they should be interconnected with God first. You with me? There are some people who want to get rich, so they'll just overwork, overwork, and they'll get three jobs, four jobs, ten jobs. They're too busy for God. They'll lose in life. But if you prioritize and put God first, you won't have to make the priority working to where you've got to do five jobs to get ahead. No, we're redeemed from the curse of poverty. And he'll bless that, but when your life is out of order, it will hurt you. But when your life is in order and you put him first here, love God first and love his way of doing things and care about his kingdom, he said he would add those things to your life that you have been scraping to get. In other words, but I got to work these jobs. No, you need grace on your life. You need his working ability. And the way to do that is put him first. Say, oh, I don't want to move away from the dock. It's scary out there. No, there's one who will hold you up. But it won't work otherwise. And how many people have thought the gospel is about me? Well, it is to a degree, but it's about God. It's about us coming back into union with God. It's about us prioritizing Him. Then he said all these other things. So is he interested in other things? Yes, absolutely. He's interested in other things. That's why I find it interesting when people who are coming to church, and sometimes people don't like to come because they go, God deals with me. I'll get my life in order. Is God trying to rob you, really? Is he just trying to mess you up? Is this what this is all about? Well, he said, I'm just afraid to go do that because you, you, know, you just won't have any fun. No, he said if you put him first, you won't lose your life, and you're trying to keep it. So I just need to know what is first with him, and it's him, and it's his way of doing things, and it's his church, his kingdom, and reaching people, and if I'll prioritize that, and I'll give, didn't the Bible say give, and then it will be given? So I just need to give there first, and it will create a flow, because remember, we're in covenant. So somebody said, what's a covenant? It's where you tell the truth to somebody and make a commitment to them and don't break it. In other words, I say, I'm in covenant with so-and-so. That means all my resources are yours. Now, because we're in covenant, all your resources are now mine. When it's with God, everything you have is his. You don't have much, but you do have something, so to speak. And it is significant, really. It's your time. It's your time. So you put that there. Who owns the cattle on a thousand hill? God? 
He's the one who has the resources. You put him first. He'll work on that side. You put him first, work on his stuff, and he'll work on your stuff. Right? But it seems so foreign to the way society is because society teaches self. That's why that message works with people so well. It's selfish. Love yourself. That's what you guys got to do is love yourself. And what happens is then we get offended when somebody doesn't say hi. Don't they love me? I love myself. What's the problem? Well, I'll tell you what, they didn't say hi to me at church. Well, they don't have this for me at church. It's not about me. Put him first and you'll be satisfied in all the rest. People that go to look to be fulfilled find that it ain't there. Jesus said it. Didn't we read it? You'll lose it. So we prioritize right. What does he want? What does he want for my life? Many times God deals with us. Remember that card you got coming in? This is where it's going to start coming into play. Now, don't look at it yet. I, I just, just want you to know where it's at on your person or location. If you made it in there to an airplane, open it up. Or in a minute, open it up. So what does God want? In other words, there's two lines on that card. And uh, so one says God and the other says mine. What does God want from me? Well, we know it's got to be prioritized around his things. What has he dealt with you about? Is it about reaching more people? Is it about serving? And I'm not talking just what he's dealt with you here. Is it about a greater prioritizing of him? What is it that God wants from you? A deeper walk? I don't know all of it. But I do know that I need to recognize what it is that God desires and make that a priority. And it's not even though this card says for this year, really it's for life, but there are some things I believe God wants to come to pass this year so we could measure what I'm doing. So I could look at this and pray over this card. You know, Habakkuk 2.2 2 says, write the vision, make it plain, so he who reads it, which would be you, could run with it and follow after it. God wants you to make sure you're on course and that you write things down that he deals with you about to serve more whatever it is. And the reason the part mine says mine after on the card is because of this. I do believe this. If you prioritize and you put the things you know God's dealing with you about on the top and you make that your goal, I'm going to do it if it means being in church more, whatever it is. I'm going to put him in the place. Maybe he's dealing with you to love others better. And that can come across in so many ways. And so you write that down in there. Why? So you can work on your part. You can know, hey, am I doing this year what God has been dealing with me about? Or is it going to be five more years and he's still going to be dealing with me about the same thing? So where it says on that card, just like Habakkuk in the book Habakkuk, he said, write it down. I found this when I write down things God deals with me about. It gives me hope for the future. It gives me clarity on the decisions I need to make. 
Sometimes how many of us have been in God's presence and we knew what to do, then we got out in the street, so to speak, and we're like, did he really say that? Did he really say that? And then all of a sudden we forget about it, and then we're like, oh, why am I miserable? And then we come back to church and we're like, oh, there it is again. Or we, we bow our heads, you know, at night, and we close our eyes, and we start talking to the Lord, and you're like, oh, there it is again. I need to do that. But then the next day we go, la, 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 and then like, did he really say that? You know, that is a trick the devil uses. Has God said? He started that way back in the beginning. Don't think you're special. Oh, that's exactly. How does he know he's, that's exactly what happens to me? It's profound. No, it happens to everybody. I mean, you are special, but you're not special in that. I mean, he's going to do it to everybody. Did God really say that? That's why it's good to write it down. So when you write it down, you can read it. Did he? Oh. I remember when he spoke that to me. Then I can run with it. When I'm out there at work and somebody's like, hey, why don't you do this? And you're like, oh, wait a minute. He did say it. Did God really say that to me? Oh, no. I, I got it right here. I've done that before where I struggled in areas. Years ago when I was addicted to fishing, and I know that sounds foolish, but I was fishing every single day. And it was a priority of my life. And the Lord started dealing with me, and I would be like, yeah, 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 at night when I'm in bed, and then the next day I'm fishing. And then I'd go to bed, and then he'd deal with me, and I'd be like, yes, yes, yes. You know, after about a month or two or three or four, I was like, what's the problem? I'm like, I need to write this down. And you know when I wrote it down, and then I would look at it during the day when the questions would come, did he really say that? And then I knew it, but then, and I'd look at it, and it would trigger back when he spoke to me and when he dealt with me, and I went, he did. Uh, it didn't make it easier. It just made me realize, you got to do this. And then as I stood my ground, it got easier and easier. So you need to, if there's things you can think of, and there should be something, I know this, a few weeks ago we were talking and a lot of people said, man, God's been dealing with me about just bringing people, reaching people, serving. Well, if that is something, then, then write that down on that place where it says God's. Keep this in your Bible. And here, let me say something. If you're like, oh, God's been dealing with me about lust or something, you don't have to write that down so somebody can read that. You can put like L. Well, now everybody's going to know. <laughs> Oh, 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 got, got an L over here. I uh, got an L over here. What's that L mean? Is that love? But you know what I mean. What are these things? And really, to be honest with you, you don't just have to fight to overcome that. The reason we deal with that, it really has to do with our love with God. We haven't prioritized him as first, and so we're being selfish and looking at other things. And the more we prioritize him to be a priority, the more we won't be selfish about looking at people wrong. And it's a process, but you can change. Amen? So L stands for love God. <laughs> then where it says mine, these should be secondary things, but are real, and God wants to work in them. But they should be things, you know, that are not like God in other words, they're the things that other people are seeking. 
And there could be real things that God wants to come to pass in your life that maybe you've been struggling trying to make them come to pass. Maybe things like pay off your house and pay it down early. Somebody said, I'd like to be in a house. There you go. To move from renting to buying or whatever it is. To have a greater revenue stream. Pay off college. Start savings. Have peace of mind. But peace of mind will come when you prioritize the other thing. Whatever it is, another car. And it's not just all natural things like that. Maybe it's being a better spouse. But you know, a lot of those things will come into play when you prioritize the other thing right. Then down at the bottom it says, the reason why I want you to write these is so when they come to pass this year and you watch them start changing, you can go, yeah, I knew that. God dealt with me. I kept my part. He's keeping his part. And so right at the bottom it says this, declare. Keep this in your Bible. If you don't carry a Bible and you, like, I have a Bible, but now I use my Bible app a lot. But keep this somewhere where it can be brought back up. And it says at the bottom, declare. It says, I have God's knowledge, understanding. Knowledge is just information. Understanding makes that knowledge clear. And then it says wisdom, that means to be able to apply and do. So declare regularly, I have God's knowledge, His understanding, His wisdom concerning these things. God's working now, and they're coming to pass. You know, the Bible tells us we can declare things and they'll be established. And Abraham called things that were not as though they were, and they became. And so work to keep the priorities, the priorities, but then recognize God, you know, whatever it is in your life, he would like to bring you up higher. That is his covenant. But don't make that your priority because when you seek it, he said, you'll lose it. So the big thing is, is you can be working for him while he's working for you. You get what I'm saying? And he will, and you can declare whatever it is and his, mine. Remember, I'm not just struggling to make mine come to pass. I'm working to make his come to pass. Okay, I'm going to work and do things concerning mine, but I'm going to expect his grace makes up the difference because of all this that we read. Period. He has to. He has to. Either that or he's lying. And he's not lying. We should prove these things. Many people think, well, let's prove prosperity. Well, you can't just prove it by itself. You have to put the right things in the right order, and then it becomes something in play in our lives. And that being said, write these. Don't neglect this card. It's not part of your salvation. You know, you, you won't miss heaven if you don't fill this out. But it will help be a reminder what the things are, and maybe you can add to this as the year goes on. You know, God's been really dealing with me about doing this for him in this way, and then you write it down. And then maybe as you go on, you're like, you know, there is this area I didn't think about, and uh, I really believe God wants us. I believe last year the Lord dealt with me, pay extra on your mortgage. And when it came to the end of the year, I was like, how am I going to do this? You know, at this degree or whatever. 
And so you know what I did? The Lord dealt with me, well, just go give some money, find some people. So I found a missionary, gave extra to the church, did some other things. And I just was like, okay, I put him as a priority. And then some avenues that were totally unexpected came in to be able to do it. And, but the issue is, where am I prioritizing? Because I don't do it just to get God's backing, but when I do do it, I get God's backing. And he's for us. Amen. 